Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 146, Understanding the Stock Market and Investing with Bola Sukumbi. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And we have a super special and unique episode for you today. Yes, I am very, very excited about this. As am I. Because I think this is a topic we really don't know much about, just in general, unless you are working in finance or writing about personal finance in general, we don't have much knowledge about this. I think in part because it doesn't affect us right now. We're not great at future thinking and planning Mm -hmm. for retirement. So it's just like, oh, well, that's in the future. I don't need to worry about that, you know, kind of like scheduling doctor's appointments. But I think that this really pairs well with frugality because Bola is about to encourage us so much to do our own research and to understand and not just to A, ignore this or B, pass it on to somebody else and just pay somebody else to do this for us, but to really problem solve, understand, research, and be involved in this very important aspect of our finances uh, in a way where we are empowered to do so and can even do it in a frugal manner. Absolutely, for sure. And I know that this is going to be a very much listened to episode because this is something that everyone's interested in and we don't cover much on the show because we try to stick to more of kind of our safe zone. But we definitely want you to be, while staying in your zone of genius, it doesn't mean you can't branch out when it is super relevant. And that's kind of where we are at in this episode. So we brought in Bola because she has a new book out called Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money. And it is just phenomenal. So super honored to have her. But first, we got to give it up to our sponsors Mm, for the show. First is Side Hustles. So if you don't think you have enough money to invest for retirement, think again. Side hustles can provide you with the extra money you need to start stashing cash. All you need is an extra $115, $150 a week. So if you want some ideas for really good side businesses, head to modernfrugality.com slash biz with a Z ideas. And I've got 10 simple business ideas 
that you can start pretty quickly. And then you'll also get emails every Friday when we have new episodes of the show. So Yes, perfect. Also brought to you by Things I Should Understand By Now But Don't. Today's sponsor is a bit more of a confession about things I don't know, like how electricity works or how to navigate social media or what different cuts of meat are and how to use them. Nevertheless, I can't let my lack of knowledge keep me from living my life. So here's to admitting what I don't know and doing more research, things I don't know but should. I'm in my 30s and still learning. Amen. Well, when you stop learning, you stop growing, and then you are considered dead. So that's a good thing, and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Also, I can't remember if we talked about meat on the episode, so that's – I'll be interested to see if that came up. The other two I remember, but meat wasn't there, so I'm interested to see if I just zoned out on that one. (laughs) Pay attention to the after show. Okay. If you are interested in investing, we've got a few other episodes in the archive, just a few. Episode 53, we're talking to Aaron Lowry of Broke Millennial on paying off debt and investing at the same time. Episode 56, we have an interview with Abby Chow about saving for kids college, uh, specifically in a 529, which is an investment account. And then episode 94 was a very popular one where we go through basically retirement 101. So this will kind of dive a little deeper into some things from that episode, and some of it will be a refresher because we've got Bola Sukumbi. She is a certified financial education instructor, money expert, and CEO, and best-selling author and founder of Clever Girl Finance. Mm. You have probably seen Clever Girl Finance on Instagram or somewhere on the internet. She's just done great work there, and she's so kind. She's so great. After reading her latest book, I really believe that it is the handbook that everyone needs to learn about investing and then to refer back to whenever questions come up. It's very comprehensive and easy to read. Beautiful. Let's get into it. Welcome, Bola, to the Frugal Friends Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We are so looking forward to talking with you about this topic that most people know little to nothing about. Yes. I Okay, so I was mentioning this a little bit before we started recording, but I had a TikTok go viral over the weekend. Congrats, Jen. (laughs) Thank you. I'm in my 30s, so I don't feel like that should be a thing I should say. But I meant for it to be about, you know, do side hustles so that you can like help pay off your debt, but it also helps you invest. And there's like almost a million views on it and everyone is asking all these questions about where to invest, what's a Roth IRA, all this stuff. So this interview comes at the perfect time because it's been a long time since I've covered investing. Yes, and I'm excited to talk about investing. It's like one of those murky areas that, you know, people talk about a lot, but not everyone knows what things mean or how to get started or what they're really doing, to be honest. And there's a lot of trends and, you know, social advice that's not always accurate. So I'm always happy to talk about investing in a way that empowers the person who's listening and trying to learn about it for themselves. 
It's so great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we're just here to ask the questions. I know I'm not an expert on investing, nor am I licensed or have any of the letters to be giving this kind of advice. It is purely for entertainment. But yes, hopefully there can be some helpful tips from you, Bola, for those listening in. Yeah. I also don't have any certifications. It's purely retirement education and not advice. Mm -hmm. So let's, yeah, that's probably a good preface to make on this episode. Well, we're giving disclaimers. (laughs) You at least have some letters. I am also not your financial advisor. But you are a certified financial education instructor. So you do, you, I mean, you are probably more qualified than the rest of us. So we're super excited. And I think your book is, after reading it, like the manual for investing. So I hope everyone goes out and just to have a copy on hand for reference, like it's that good. So we'll just cover kind of like the basics in this episode. But if you're listening and you have more questions, they're probably answered in the book. So definitely we'll put a link to the book in the show notes for you to go get that on Amazon. It's so great. But first, so this wasn't a question that was on the list, but I kind of wanted to know, like, how did you get into like investing, just interested in it and started with it? Yeah. So I got into investing pretty early on in my career. Um, My first foray into investing was with my 401k. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it meant, but I remember sitting out and starting to tune out of the HR meeting uh, at my first job. All I could hear was wah, wah, wah. And then they said, you know, they had talked about the 401k. I'm like, whatever, like what kind of scam, you know, is it that I have to give you my money (laughs) when you're paying me? Like pay me and I pay you back. I was like, no way. And then I heard them talk about free money and they're like, we'll match you at the time, 100% up to 6% of your contribution. I was like, wait a minute, that is free money. I'm on that. So I automatically signed up without really understanding what the 401k was. And it took me three months for my probationary period to end for me to actually start contributing. And in that three months, I started to learn about the 401k. And then I got curious about investing, like where was this money being put? What did the stock market mean? And then I got into investing. So I started, I opened up my own brokerage account. And then I started out with just investing in companies that I liked. I had stock in Kmart at the time. I had stock in Gap at the time. And it sounds really smart and like, oh my God, she was on top of things. But I had no clue what I was doing. I would panic every time the stock would fall and I would sell it. And then it would go up and I would buy more. Don't do it. (laughs) And then on the rare occasions that I would make money, I would forget that I would have to pay taxes. Yeah. At the end of the year. And so, you know, I was just all over the place when it came to investing. I was like, wait a minute, I actually need to figure out how this thing really works and stop listening to my coworkers and stop, you know, just doing hearsay investing. And so I picked up at the time an investing book for dummies. And I remember I would be on the subway in New York City with my investing book for dummies. That's what it was called, Investing for Dummies by (laughs) Wiley, reading it. And people would look at me like, look at this dummy. And I would stare back like, no, you're the dummy because I'm learning about investing Yes, with my book for dummies. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's awesome. And look at me now. Yeah. Hanging out in New Jersey. <laughs> no, ain't no dummy no more. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's how I think about those for dummies books. Um, they're great. 
Cool. That's such a cool, that's a such an accessible story because it's, some people think like as professional like financial educators, we come into this through some kind of like education or certification or something. But like, no, you had a 401k and you wanted to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, you have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. This was my first job. This is me as a child of immigrants, not knowing a lot about the U.S. financial system. Like the stock market was completely new to me. So by starting with that book, it was incredibly helpful. And then I started learning about index funds and like long term investing and not trying to time the market and tax planning and capital preservation and like, you know, all these other important elements, my risk tolerance, should I be investing in individual stocks and all these different factors that allow me to create my own investing personality Mm -hmm. and, you know, grow over time. And so I think the biggest barrier to investing is that people assume that you're born with this knowledge and you automatically know how investing works, but you have to learn it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk the talk, but they actually don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, there's no shame in learning about investing. There's no shame in starting at the basics. What is a stock? What is a fund? What is a stock market? What hours do they trade? Those little factors all help with your education around investing and becoming a successful investor. Mm, awesome. Well okay. said, Bola. I think it's amazing to even hear a little bit about your background and some of the additional barriers that you faced in learning about what Mm -hmm. this is and how to invest. And I think it's encouraging in a lot of ways that, yes, this can be done regardless of the different barriers. It might require more work and more effort in some regard, but there is information out there. And so thank you for doing it and then for turning back around and saying, okay, how can I help others in understanding this? And not putting shame around it either that, yeah, you no one is born knowing this and you've got to learn and there might be some sweat that this requires to put into that. But yeah, amazing. Well done, Bola. And just being curious and asking questions to get to this point of real understanding. And now no other woman has to sit on the subway reading a Four Dummies book because they can just It was a book. good book. I actually, I don't know if they still make it, but I do recommend it. You know, like, I don't care if people think when I'm reading certain books in public places, like, you know, I'm not bothered by it. Yeah. I'm getting the knowledge. If you don't want to join me, good for you. There you go. That's it. All right. So let's dig into some of this knowledge that you drop. Tell me kind of about the different types of stock market investments that are available and which may be best for beginners. Because this was a big question that I got over the weekend. Like, what do I invest in? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to what you should invest in, the first thing you want to invest in is knowledge, understanding how it works. I do not have an investment recommendation for you. (laughs) You have to, because the the thing is you work so hard for your money. The last thing you want to do is follow the horde or the herd because everybody's doing it, but you don't really know what's happening. So the first thing you want to do, the first investment is educating yourself basic book on how investing work, what it means, or just going online, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts like this one, and you're here listening to this one. The second thing as a beginner is, you know, I'm pretty wary of saying, hey, go buy your favorite stock because everybody's talking about Tesla, everybody's talking about cryptocurrency, and I'm sure all those are really great investments, but I think it's really important to have really, really broad diversification when you're first starting out. This way you can minimize the amount of mistakes that you make and you can recover quickly. And so I always tell someone who's starting out a great place to 
start if your employer offers one is through your company's 401k. This is automatic investing. You don't have to think about it. It's before taxes, right, which reduces your overall taxable income. Many people will say, well, the 401k can be expensive. And that is true. They sometimes charge higher fees. But the fact is that it is one way where you can automate your investing and studies show that when you automate, you save even more than if you're doing it manually. If your company does not offer a 401k, they may offer an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, or they may offer a Roth, or you can open up one of those for yourself. The difference between the IRA and the Roth IRA is basically the traditional IRA is contributions to an investing account for retirement before taxes. And the Roth is contributions to an investment account after taxes have been taken out and you don't get taxed again in the future. Both are great avenues. And your goal is to start investing in those platforms, leveraging index funds that will provide you with broad diversification. So when you open one of these accounts, whether it's your 401k, a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, then it's a good idea to leverage something like index funds, which give you broad diversification in terms of investing and minimizing your risk. And basically what an index fund is, it's an investing vehicle that tracks an index um, of the stock market. So everybody has heard in one way or the other of the S&P 500. This is one of the major U.S. indices traded on the stock market that basically tracks the performance, tracks um, benchmarks of 500 large corporations of the largest corporations in the U.S. So by investing in an index fund that mimics S&P 500, you're essentially investing in each of these 500 companies based on a certain percentage breakout that's defined by that index fund you're investing in. And this, like I said, gives you broad diversification. So that's a good place to start. And then you also want to think about, can I max out my 401k? Can I max out my IRAs based on the guidelines that have been put in place? by the IRS and just work on pursuing that. So I believe the 401k as of this recording is about $18,500 to max it out. And then the IRAs are $6,000. And what you can do if you cannot afford to just set up a max out right now is that you can increase your contributions by percentage points every month or every quarter until you can get as close to maxing out as possible. So, you know, going back to your original question, like, getting started, where do I invest? Start by educating yourself on how all this works. You know, I just threw out a bunch of different terms, 401k, traditional IRA, Roth IRA, S&P 500, index funds, et cetera. It's not that complicated if you just dedicate some time to learn how it works. And I will say that People can get overwhelmed by investing, you know, hearing people talk about investing. You don't need to be Jim Cramer to invest. Mm -hmm. You don't need to know all the jargon. The investing world is full of jargon. Think about it this way. You have a car, right? To drive your car to get safely to your destination, you don't need to know how your engine is churning the engine oil and how the gas is going through the systems or the aerodynamics of the tires and the blah, blah, blah (laughs) (laughs) jargon. All you need to know is how to turn the car on, put on your seatbelt, know when to brake, know when to accelerate, know how to use your navigation, turn on your radio if you want to, to get to your destination. So don't get overwhelmed when you hear all of this you know, investing jargon. Instead, focus on what's most relevant to me and what I need to learn right now. 
Do I know what the stock market is? No. Let me go learn what this is. Do I know what a stock is? No. Let me go learn what this is. Do I know what an index fund is? Do I know what all these different things are? No. And there's no shame in learning because learning is how you become a confident investor. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who are investing right now who cannot say in confidence that they feel comfortable, that they understand their objectives, that they are clear on their risk tolerance on how they are investing. You don't want to be that person. You want to sleep well at night knowing that your money is working for you regardless of what's happening in the economy because you're focused on building wealth long-term. You don't want to be pulling your hair out and having panic attacks because you don't know what you're invested in and you're seeing this investment going crazy. You're like, oh my God, you know, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Bola, yes. (laughs) Can we just get a round of applause? And anyone listening, pause rewind, listen Mm -hmm. to that section again. That was a monologue of goodness. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Right there. Yeah. Not only with some of the low-hanging fruit of items that we do need to understand. So if we're wondering where to start, even just looking up this knowledge, but then also your message of... It's okay if you don't know what all these words mean. Go back and educate yourself. I was considering a similar thing to what you're saying about our understanding and our doing. We do plenty of things that we don't fully understand. Like I flick Mm -hmm. on the lights. I don't really understand how all of that works, but I still do it. But yet our lack of understanding about investing often keeps us from doing it. But I love your metaphor to a car. If we kept our understanding of cars from driving, if we don't fully understand it all, so I'm not going to drive, well, that's ridiculous. So similar thing with this. And you even going back to your background, you began before you fully understood it. There can be some opportunities to fail, to make mistakes, and then learn from them, to not be so fearful of this thing. But let's take the first step, and then the next step, and then the next step, and just continue to grow in it. So thank you for that entire message, Bola. I think it's what we need to hear is a cold glass of water in this topic. So with that being said, I'm curious, just as we're talking about some of the beginner things and the low-hanging fruit, 
And when we're talking about investments, where should we go to purchase some of these investments? And why is Robinhood not the best place to go? (laughs) Okay, you're putting me on the spot. (laughs) Robinhood, who are those? I don't know what that is. Um, But, you know, I would just say a brokerage of choice that has good customer service, that had good reviews and offers a wide variety of options to you is a good place to start. You know, your employer, if they offer you an investing plan for retirement, is probably partnered with a major brokerage firm that you can contribute to a 401k there. But you can also, right, open up your own IRA, open up your own non-retirement investing accounts with a brokerage. Popular brokerages are Vanguard and Fidelity, specifically for their really good customer service and very, very, very low cost. I think between the both of them, they're competing on lowest costs in the industry, oh, yeah. Charles Schwab, T. Rowe Price. Um, there's lots of these really reputable, large investment platforms. There's even the fractional investment platforms like the Acorns and there's other um, robo-advisory services like Betterment and Wealthfront. Take some time out to do some research and you know see what people are saying about their customer service, about their expenses. And just visually, do you like the user interface? Is this somewhere that you feel comfortable putting your money? That's a great place to start. You know, when it comes to Robinhood, I don't have a Robinhood account. I'm not entirely familiar with their platform. I think we have talked about it on the Clever Girl Finance platform in terms of here is a list of different places you can invest. But I know they focus a lot on individual stock investing. I would say, you know, a platform that doesn't offer a lot of variety is maybe not a great place for a beginner, especially there's no retirement options. If you're prioritizing your investments, I think the first place you want to start is invest for retirement, right? Invest for longer term goals. And then the money you have left over is you can use that for fun and higher risk investments, which I find a lot of people tend to do with the Robinhood platform. But you want to make sure that you're not putting your long-term investing, your emergency savings or life savings into an individual stock platform, right? Where there's a lot of higher risk. So do your research do your research, do your research. That's so important. Yeah. And when the younger you are, the more time you have on your side. And so that's kind of the benefit to these retirement accounts and index funds is that you can put some in like in your 20s and 30s and just let it grow and compound interest will work in your benefit. And if it's like in a Roth IRA, you can take it out like tax-free. So those tax advantages and time are so much more reliable than like a single stock or something like that. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, you want to aspire to maxing out those retirement savings accounts, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get to the point where you've maxed out your 401k, you've maxed out your, you know, your IRA, whichever one you have, and you have spare money, don't stop investing, right? There's mm-hmm. still opportunity for growth. So you can open, like I mentioned, your own independent uh, brokerage account and invest in non-retirement accounts, which means these accounts are not tied to any restrictions, but they also don't have the tax advantages, right? You still have the opportunity for your money to grow. And the way your money grows from investing, specifically investing in the stock market, is from appreciation, dividends, and compounding. And compounding is that magic that gives your money the opportunity over the long term to grow pretty much exponentially. And basically what compounding is, it's your money having a baby, which is interest, and then the baby having another baby, and the baby's baby's baby having another baby. (laughs) And and in retirement, you get a big old family reunion. But these are all dollar bills. (laughs) 
<laughs> These are all dollars that are having dollars, having dollar babies. And you want all those babies. You want the big, big family when it comes to your investment. <laughs> These are babies you do want. <laughs> yeah. yes. I'm going to take a family portrait with all of my dollar babies. This is the kind <laughs> of family planning where... New promo pictures. <laughs> Jill and us and all of our babies <laughs> our dollars. <laughs> uh, one more thing I'll say about Robin Hood, and this is because I was also not familiar with it, but so many people asked me about it last weekend that I actually had to look into it. And it should be telling that like people in the financial industry don't use Robin Hood very often versus like pe- random people on Instagram and TikTok that are loving it. So just be cognizant of where you're getting your financial advice. Rather, I say that, but there are some there are some great people on TikTok that offer like really great financial advice there, and then there are some some weirdos. Yeah, I would say when it comes to any platform, like you know, I think any platform that gains popularity probably has something good going for it. Mm-hmm. But just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's right for you, given your circumstances. Yeah. If you don't know anything about investing are those kind of platforms your first start, right? If you don't know anything about investing, you want to make sure that you're leveraging a platform and a resource that's going to help you have a good experience and put your money to good use for you. And so I would just say, do your research. Yeah, <laughs> it's, sure. it's usually not the platform. It's the <laughs> individuals. Amen. And because something is trending Amen. does not mean that you need to jump on the bad wagon mm-hmm. if you don't know what it is. People talk about cryptocurrency and Forex all day long. It is trending. Is it for you mm-hmm. as a beginner investor? You know, when you, if you do not have retirement savings, you don't have emergency savings, your finances are not in order, maybe not at this point. Yeah. I think that ties into just our lack of understanding. If something just sounds smart, it can feel as though, well, then I'll just do that. People who sound like they know what they're talking about. It sounds smart. I don't really understand it. I should probably do it. It's not necessarily the right thought process (laughs) when it comes to something we don't understand. Yeah. And you know, I recently did a YouTube video on how your favorite influencers might be making you broke. And this was in relation Mm -hmm. to like shopping and all of that. But you know, financial influencers, you know, also, and I guess I fall into that category. Whenever somebody tells you something to do, to buy, to try, don't do it blindly, right? So just because Bola says invest in an index fund doesn't mean you should go and buy the index fund. Go do your research first. I cannot, I cannot stress the importance of research. And in addition to that research, does this thing that I'm having, hearing this influencer tell me to do, does it align with my goals, the things I want to accomplish over the long term, right? Does this fit in? And also, does this tie into my risk tolerance, right? Does this seem too aggressive of an investment, too expensive? Like, is this making me uncomfortable? Just because you love your influencers, you follow them, does not mean that you are sheep, right? Mm -hmm. You have a mind of your own and you want to leverage your incredible intelligence to figure out if what they're telling you is going to make sense of you. Personal finance is personal finance because it is personal, right? That's the key word here. So there's a lot of things trending. A lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon. A lot of so much is going on, but always bring it back down to you and your unique personal situation. Because at the end of the day, (laughs) a lot of people out there don't know what they're doing. Mm. That's just the truth. Mm. Yep. That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the pure, honest truth. So many words of wisdom coming out of your mouth. (laughs) 
Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about accounts to put your investments in because so many people get confused. It's like they open an account and then they put money in there and it sits or they think they have to buy the index fund, but like where does it go? Like let's talk about the best accounts for beginners, kind of like what order you should go in. So when it comes to investing accounts, let's assume, let's create a scenario and let's assume that you have an employer that offers you an investment plan and they offer a 401k. Um, There's also a 403b, which is similar to a 401k, specific to people who work in certain um, industries or a 457 plan. They're all very similar, something that an employer offers to help you save for retirement. So that's, one account that if it's offered to you is a good idea to have, right? And money is taken automatically from your paycheck into this account. And at the beginning of setting up this account, you pick out what you want to invest in, right? So let's say you pick out two different index funds or an index fund and some other type of investment like a bond, right? Which is essentially an IOU loan that you make to a government, a corporation or something like that. So you have these investments there. And that happens automatically because you've set that designation from the beginning of starting that account. You can change them whenever you want, but every time money comes out of your paycheck, it's automatically invested there. Let's say then you decide, okay, I'm going to open my own traditional or Roth IRA and I'm going to open it with Fidelity. You contribute money in there. You can decide that every time you get paid, you have your payroll deposit, $100, $500, whatever it might be into this account. However, once that deposit is made, Unless you have set up to automatically invest in a particular investment, you're going to have to go in every couple of weeks to make that investment, right? And so there are different ways you can invest. You can invest a lump sum. Let's say you get a bonus or tax refund. You can invest that every year. You can invest every month. You can invest every two weeks when you get paid. You can invest every week. You can set up your own investing schedule, but it's all about being consistent over time. And by investing consistently over time, you do something called dollar cost averaging, which basically means when investments are high, so let's say you have this fixed amount of money you're investing every pay period, for example, let's say it's $500. So when investments are high, right, stock market, stock prices are more expensive, your $500 buys you less. And when investments are low, right, stock market has a decline or et cetera, your money buys you your $500 buys you more of the investment. And over time, you have this average through, right? And the whole idea is with dollar cost investing or dollar cost averaging is that you're not trying to time the market. You're just buying consistently at different points in time with a long-term focus on investing. And what this means is that over time, your investments are likely to go grow given the historical performance of the stock markets and also given the historical behaviors of economies as a whole, even despite recessions and depressions. And this is because demand for items grows as population grows, as resources decrease, right? That's what it has shown over time historically. And so you have the opportunity and then tying, you know, in addition to that growth in value, tying in dividends, which is, you know, profit sharing in a sense that companies give to their investors and then tying in compounding based on the average earnings on your investments, which can allow your investments to grow over time. So you have your 401k, you then have your traditional IRAs. And let's say, okay, I've maxed out my 401k, I've maxed out my traditional IRAs. Then the next account you want to open is a brokerage account, just a regular brokerage account that's not tied to investing. You don't get penalized 
at age, if you take money out before age 59 and a half, it's just a brokerage account. And you can start to contribute money here and invest in index funds if there are some individual stocks you're interested in, invest that way, knowing that you don't want to have all of your money in one stock. You want to diversify, right? The key is to diversify and then invest that way. And it's important to keep in mind, though, that when if you choose to sell an investment that has appreciated, that has gains, you're going to have to pay something called capital gains tax. And this is basically the tax that you pay on your investment account. And this is something that you would get a letter or a, a tax form at the end of the year from your broker saying, this is how much you earned in profit from your investment. This is what we reported to the IRS, and you would have to pay those taxes. So it's important to keep that in mind, that if you invest $10,000 and you sell it for $20,000, you're going to have to pay taxes on that profit of $10,000, depending on what that capital gains tax rate is. So those are the different accounts that you can have when it comes to where to put your money mm-hmm. as it relates to investing. Which is really simple. I mean, it's basically three accounts. Yeah, it's not complicated. And you can have, you know, like when I think about my financial situation, which is a bit more complicated, but, you know, I don't have a 401k because I work for myself, but I have something called a SEP IRA, which allows me as an entrepreneur to save for retirement. And then I have brokerages. And then I also have brokerages in my kids' names for their college investing and their future investing. So you can have more than one brokerage account, but you just want to make sure that you're not overwhelming yourself. People do this with bank accounts a lot. Um, They have so many different bank accounts. So people don't remember what bank accounts and they're chasing all these bonuses. $25 for opening a new bank account. $20 here, like all these things. Chasing the 20s. Keep it simple. You don't need to chase the $25 or $20. It's not even a good use of your time, to be honest. A lot of times they'll tell you, oh, we'll give you the $25 in six months after you've made made 17 deposits equaling $10,000. Come on now. So, yes. <laughs> so don't get into a bank account chasing for $25 or 20 bucks. Just keep it simple. Once you have your account set up, you want to check in and see how your investments are doing, right? And before you check in, take a deep breath and know that Remind yourself of why you're investing. You're investing for the long term, for your kids' education, for retirement. What are your long-term objectives? And then when you log into your accounts, just make sure that, you know, it's basically a check-in. Sometimes things may be down depending on the economy, depending on your investments, but that's okay given that you have a long-term horizon, right? You don't want to start panic selling because everybody on Instagram is like, oh my God, sell, sell, sell. The stock market is tanking. And you also don't want to start panic buying because everybody's saying, oh my God, buy, buy, buy. Tesla is going to do a stock split. Apple is in a stock split. Buy, 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 buy. Like it has to align with your own financial goals and fit into your life. If you have high interest credit card that you're trying to pay off, right? It makes more sense to take that spare money you have and pay off that credit card. Then go buy the latest cryptocurrency that you have no idea how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Once your debt is gone, Take that money, invest it, but make sure you're investing it sensibly in accordance with your long-term goals. Mm, Nice. Absolutely. So wise. Thanks for that step-by-step list for us, Bola, and a lot of things that where we can start to research. If we don't understand all the things that are coming out of your mouth, then (laughs) then you know exactly where to start in your research. Yes. And I know that we've talked a lot about making this personal and identifying what works for us. I am curious, however, if you'd be willing to tell us, Bola, what are your favorite fund portfolios? (laughs) so, (laughs) So I invest with Fidelity. That's where I have 
primarily most of my investments. I've set up investing accounts for my children, but I use Fidelity and they hold my retirement and non-retirement accounts. And within them, I invest in index funds. So I like total market index funds, which are index funds that basically aggregate the broad stock market. I have money in international funds outside of the US. I have money in bonds. I also have money in more niche funds like healthcare and technology. And also one thing I'm very keen on is just like, what is the word? Uh, Ethical, responsible. Oh yeah. Eco, sustainable, ESI funds. Yeah. So I have some farmland food production funds that align with that um, and also property and development funds that align in that. So I primarily invest in index funds. I do have certain individual stocks. And then uh, my kids, I'm teaching them, they're seven years old. uh, I'm teaching them about investing. So we're investing in individual stocks with them to teach them how the stock market works. Like, you know, you don't always have to buy something at Costco, you can also own part of the company that we go to buy something at all the time. Or you don't always have to buy a new Barbie. Instead, we can buy stock in Mattel. You know, we don't always have to buy the toys. We can buy something in Scholastic, for example. So I'm teaching them the concept of ownership and just being able to tie the way they consume to what alternatives can we spend this $5, this $10 from grandma, from auntie, that is not about acquiring a thing, but instead Mm -hmm. building an asset. Mm. That's what I'm trying to teach them right now. How empowering, Bola, to expand the mind larger, not just this thing, this toy, but you can actually go bigger than that. You can own part of that company. That's it. My mind is a little bit blown right now to think that your (laughs) seven-year-olds are beginning to grasp this concept. Uh, And I'm like, when when can I start teaching Kai this? Like, should I wait till he's like three or four? You can start teaching. Yeah, that's a great age in small ways. I mean, now, so my kids, um, they love Dunkin' Donuts. So we have stock in Dunkin' Donuts. And my daughter has this idea that when she graduates from college, she's going to get a job at our local Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, well, that's not kind of how works. But she's like, no, but I'm an owner. I need to work at my store. I'm going to get a job there. I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) So I have a a girl who's going to college to go work. (laughs) (laughs) They'll get there. They'll get there. What I also like about what you're saying, Bola, it excites me that as we learn more and as we get more involved and personally invested in our financial investments, we can start to look for ways that align with our own personal passions, interests, values, morals, ethics, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't just have to stop at, I got a 401k, but we can go even deeper and really put our money where our mouth is, our money where our ethics and values are, that there's so much more to be grasped here that is very exciting. Yeah. I was super interested to hear what you would say, like, just for like portfolio types, because we started out, we just had like 90% in the total stock market and 10% in bonds. And that was, that was good to start out, but then we didn't want to stay there. So like you, we started, we added the international funds when we rebalanced for the first time ever. That's when we added our third fund. But now we do have some in the ESI funds and some healthcare. And that's kind of mm-hmm. where it's very simple. Super simple and it feels safe because it's 
it's indexes. So I would say that, you know, so a couple of things for a new beginner, when you're investing in your IRA or in your 401k, you know, you can shift these investments around as you please, because you're not withdrawing the money. Mm -hmm. But if you are making investment changes in a regular brokerage account that you set up, you want to be mindful as to how often you're doing them because there can be tax implications. So a typical rule of thumb is that you don't want to rebalance your accounts too often once a year if you need to, like if they're falling out of alignment with how much you want to have in this index fund versus this index funds in the national versus US stock. You know, maybe you have too much in Tesla (laughs) versus total stock (laughs) You know, you want to be mindful as to how often you're making these trades in a regular brokerage because of tax implications and just keeping that in mind. And the second thing I was going to say, you know, for a beginner investor, it's okay to start out with one fund, a total market index fund or an index fund that mimics S&P 500. But you may decide, okay, I want to do more. I want to invest internationally. I want to have some bonds, right? So, you can start to determine what your distribution is. One thing that I'm very mindful of, especially as you start to get closer to your timeline or you know, depending on your risk tolerance is capital preservation. And that means trying to keep the value of your investment so you don't lose too much of what you've invested. If there's like a severe economic downturn, if there is a depression, if you're getting close to your timelines, right? So for example, in the 2008 recession, a lot of people who were closer to retirement had to delay or defer their retirement plans because their investments lost so much value. They weren't able to take out what they needed to take out annually to support the timeline of retirement. So retirement is on average about 20 to 25 years. That is a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure your investments can support you. I'm not super high risk. And, you know, I think we definitely have to recognize the times that we live in. We're in a pandemic where the government has tried to put in place and continues to put in place all these different programs to kind of help sustain the economy, the PPE loans, the stimulus checks, student loan deferrals, mortgage forbearance, all these different things. And once we really step into that true recovery, all these programs are going to go away because they're not sustainable long-term, which means we may see, I'm almost certain that we will see the ripple effect in the economy and in the stock market. So you want to be thinking about, okay, you know, what is my risk what is my portfolio of risk looking like right now? Do I need to become more conservative? Is this a great time for me to become more aggressive? Understanding your risk is really important so that you can plan out how you want to preserve your capital, what percentage of your money is non-negotiable when it comes to risk, what percentage of your money you're okay taking higher risks with, depending on how you want to invest. But those are all things you want to keep in mind. And also keep in mind that if you see big declines in the stock market and you have a long-term horizon ahead of you and not retiring anytime soon, this is a great time to take advantage of that low point to buy more, but this is not you timing the market. This is you opening up your mind to pursue opportunities as they present themselves to you. Mm-hmm. Well said, Bola. Awesome. Speaking of taking advantage of the prime time and lowering risk. And wise words. <laughs> it's time for the Bill of the Week. time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the bill of the week. 
Bola. Every week, we invite our listeners or our guests to come on and share their favorite bill with us. Um, and I know you've got one. So will you share it with us? Yes, it's that incredible bill that just interrupted our podcast recording where <laughs> I have to pay $1,540 to fix my HVAC heating system so we don't die of cold in the middle of winter. And mind you, this was after the warranty came into play. Oh, uh, <laughs> Favorite bill of the week. Woo-hoo! Bill of the week. <laughs> I, I mean, hopefully we have good editors, so the listener's not necessarily going to know that you had to step out in the middle of this podcast. But yes, this is a very recent bill that you had to pay. <laughs> like However, minutes old. It may, yeah, it may be the first time we've ever had a bill actively come during a podcast <laughs> recording. So this is history. But so important. You need that heat in the north. I know. New Jersey. Oh, it makes me cold thinking about it. Like I get cold in Florida and it's uh, my heart went out to you. I'm looking at it as an investment in my warmth. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are warm, then you will feel more motivated and energized Mm -hmm. to do your work. And thank, exactly. thank goodness interest for your wisdom and personal finance that allows you to pay that $1,540 HVAC bill. I know. <laughs> well done. It doesn't get easy even when you have the money for it. It still hurts. It still hurts. Oh, it still hurts. <laughs> I mean, I could have just spent that money on, you know, a pair of shoes and handbag. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have. Could have. Just worn, worn those. Yes. To keep you warm. <laughs> Put your hands in the handbag and your feet in the shoes. I don't know how often you watch YouTube, but there was one of these, um, I forget what video it was, but there was this woman who, you know, her most expensive purchase of, it was like one of these annual salary, how do I spend my money? And she had bought a $70,000 for a blanket. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I could just bought it for a blanket. You know, it's a pain for the eating people. <laughs> Right. We're all about we'll be spending, $70,000 though. Yeah, maybe spending a little more upfront to get a better lifetime value and save over time. So that's amazing. I guess you just have to dis- determine the way some people spend their money. Lifetime value. Yeah. What gives you joy? Yeah. What gives you joy? Wow. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you, Bola. Thanks, Bola. And if you all listening want to submit your bill of the week, whether it's a bill buying a blanket, ho- hopefully not a, blanket. a $70,000 for blanket. blanket. That's the only bill I want to hear. Paying your recent yeah. <laughs> bills, lowering a bill, anything related to bill, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. We'll listen to it and probably play it on the podcast. Let's be real. 99% sure we'll play it before listening to it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's how we do it. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. 
I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. And now it's time for the lightning round. round. I'm afraid. Yeah, you should be. (laughs) Just because we yell doesn't mean it's scary. Jill yells on that one. It's... It's kind of like the child that you had accidentally. Um, you love it. You still love it as much as your other children, but it's just like you're a little reluctant. It's, there's always this tinge of like, ugh. I'm your like, reluctant child. I could have been an empty child. five years. No, the lightning round is oh. my reluctant child. Got it. Got it. Jill, you are my first. Oh, you are thank my, you. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jen. You made me a podcaster. We are going to talk about our biggest investing mistakes that we want other people to learn from. So as our guest, Bola, we would invite you to give us yours first. Yes. My biggest investing mistake was my incredibly large and amazing Chanel handbag collection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do. I love Chanel Chance. The, The perfume is my favorite, but I've never purchased a handbag. Yes. Um, yes. So I had a lot of them and they were very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they were at a point where I'd saved all this money. I'm like, I deserve a bag. But, you know, one was just not enough. Mm. And I bought two, then I bought three, and then it got down this slippery slope. And I was wasting my money on these handbags when I could have been investing the money instead. And one day I looked at my closet and it just looked like mold stacks of money turning to mold in the closet <laughs> and my husband's like these bags are hideous anyway what a waste of your money <laughs> he was my boyfriend at the time and I was like you know what they've got to go so I sold them and you know given the crazy price increases with designer brands I was able to recoup a lot of money but when I decided to go onto an online calculator Uh-oh. and calculate how much money <laughs> I know where this is going I'm bracing myself I would have made if I had not bought the stupid bag, but instead invested. I almost jumped off a bridge. Listen. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I mean, you, you live and you learn, but that's a mm-hmm. big mistake. You know, I still buy handbags, but not nearly in moderation mm. now. And I'm, I'm more focused on long-term building. But that was just one of my, you know, 20-something splurges, excessiveness. Um, yeah. 
big mistake. Mm. Wow. Good for yeah. you for recognizing it and being able to reframe yeah. that mold. I mean, how – what a word picture that the the bags that you thought were beautiful at one point with your new knowledge and research and understanding makes those bags nearly look repulsive to you. They were beautiful, but I was – so – for anyone who loves designer bags, no shade. I love designer <laughs> bags. Whatever your thing is, your whatever your kryptonite is, your vice is, but you have to be getting your value out of this thing. And I was only really using the first one I ever bought. I was hardly barely using the others, which is why I was able to sell them and get so much money for them because they were practically brand new. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. The cost per wear was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> It's like buying a Lamborghini and keeping it in my garage. For what? Everyone needs to see this baby on the streets. (laughs) That's what we do because it was so expensive and it's so nice. Uh, That's what I do with my raspberries. To me, raspberries are luxury and they are more expensive than any other berry. And then they just sit in my fridge and then they get moldy because I'm like, oh, they're so so tasty and they're so expensive. So I need to savor them and then they just get moldy. Raspberries. (laughs) Waste of money. Can you tell them for gold 350 for a tiny thing of raspberries? It's so yeah. money. This is like when we asked Chris Hogan, like, what would you do if you could, you have unlimited money to spend on whatever you want? And Jill was like, an indoor water feature from Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> what? They cost like 300 bucks. Wait, what is that though? And then Chris, he called us out and he's like, you guys. Collectively. do Like you for, can't even well, dream was, you can't spend more than five. Mine was the Aldi wine advent calendar, <laughs> which is 70. So mine was worse. Um, but, he, but he's like, you just said like unlimited money. And he's like some brand new Harley. Yeah. That would be his dream. So clearly we um, don't even like, need, we don't even know what to do with money. We don't know what to yeah. do with money. That's, that's <laughs> we're it. learning um, though. Thanks to you, Bola. Bye, we're learning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're learning what real luxury is. It goes yes. beyond raspberries. <laughs> oh, okay. Jen, what's yours? Okay, so mine happened actually last year, and it was so embarrassing because this is something that I tell people to do all the time, like in article, in assignments, personally, is to when you put your money into an IRA, you don't let it sit there. You actually have to buy the investments once you transfer the money like manually. Or if you're setting up an auto, then you have to set up an auto purchase of index funds. And so I had a 401k that I rolled over to a traditional IRA and it was right when I had Kai. So the whole process, like I got it rolled over like right after I gave birth and I for a whole year forgot about it. And then one day was going in, actually I think it was in March or something when the when we had a big dip and I was like going in to be like, oh, okay, can I put a little extra in right now? And to which I noticed that my traditional IRA had grown like 0.4% or four, you know, something really paltry. And I was like, no, I did it. I forgot to invest it. It was just sitting in the brokerage account. And so that was my biggest, and I actually did a video on it on YouTube, like just saying like, don't make my mistake. And somebody actually in the comments was like, oh my gosh, mine was in my brokerage. And so I saved somebody else from at least prolonging the mistake I made. So wow, well done, I feel like Jen. My story had a purpose. It's, it sounds like you turned your failure into a success. And it sounds like this might've been a humble brag. 
It didn't. No, I lost money. It was still your money. You didn't lose money. (laughs) I mean, I lost money that I could have been making over a year. Granted, it was just a year. But sure, it's it's a good thing to know. It's one of those beginner mistakes. It was embarrassing because I'm not a beginner. (laughs) I was a. I am a professional personal finance writer. I was. I was. I was the retirement writer at the Penny Hoarder. Mm. And so it's it's humbling. Wow, wow. You weren't taking your own advice. I love you anyway, yeah. Jen. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, my biggest <laughs> investing mistake is not doing it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not asking questions, letting my embarrassment and lack of understanding be a barrier to doing it that I want to learn from and I want other people to learn from. Even though you co-host a personal finance podcast? I do have a Roth IRA, (laughs) but I will say, so my husband and I have been independent contractors, self-employed, and so where you typically have this 401k, that's the beginner step. We haven't had that, and so that has been a big barrier. I'm learning more about what is available to us, so my husband and I do have a Roth IRA, and there's more to learn and grow from there, but uh, yeah, so there are more ways that we can understand what works best for us. And even if you don't have access to a 401k, there are other things out there that you can be investing in. But I think even that has been a barrier to me. I've been too embarrassed to ask. It's one of those things that I'm like, well, I'm in my thirties now. I should know this. And then because I'm too embarrassed and I think I should know it already, it just like perpetuates me just living how I'm accustomed to living and thinking, well, hopefully I'll be okay. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you ask, people don't even have the resources to, to tell you. I remember talking to my old accountant about how to just save money on taxes because who wants to pay taxes? Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have much to help me in terms of resources, so they were fired. But I started doing yeah. <laughs> my own research. And you can definitely look into a SEP IRA, into a solo 401k. Those are great resources for entrepreneurs to save for retirement. It helps reduce your taxable income. You can save more a lot more than the traditional 401k or IRA limits, like by far more. So definitely look into those. They are a pain to set up, but once you set them up, it totally works. And you can have a SEP IRA and a Roth IRA and you can layer these things up mm-hmm. as long as you f- you meet the overall bulk requirements that the IRS has set. So definitely look into those if you guys are independent contractors. Nice. Thanks, Bola. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. This was a really helpful episode. I think mm-hmm. it's going to answer a lot of people's questions that maybe they didn't even know to ask, mm-hmm. and they're going to drive away with much more investing knowledge. So where can people find more about you and what you offer? Yeah. So I have a book on investing Yes, (laughs) called Clever Girl Finance. Learn how investing works. Grow your money. (laughs) A great book if you're trying to learn about how investing works and you don't want to hear all that jargon and you want real life experiences from people who have made investing mistakes, including myself and some other incredible women, as well as key steps as to how to set up your investment accounts, what to invest in, understanding all the jargon and all that good stuff. And then you can find us at clevergirlfinance.com. We have tons of content on the blog, free courses, a fun Instagram account. Just search Clever Girl Finance. 
Yeah, you have over 40 courses mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. We have about, yeah, about 36 free courses. Yeah. It's completely free, no catches mm-hmm. to support our community and to help women, you know, pursue yeah. financial wellness. Mm-hmm. So get the book. It is a, literally a complete guide to the stock market and investing. It will be a great to have just as a reference, even if you don't read it through the whole way f- at first. But it's great. It's accessible. It's not boring. And head over to clevergirlfinance.com and check out everything Bola offers. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Thank Bola. you for the opportunity to be here. This was so much fun. Yeah, thanks for coming. That was fantastic. That was a good mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. So much good stuff in there. I think just a really good combination of tangible tips as well as encouragement. So I'm going to be coming back to this one myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I will be coming back to her book. Like I'm talking a lot about it, but that's because Mm. I haven't seen a book like this that is about investing and about the stock market that's also accessible for people who are not super into the jargon. So that's why I think besides Simple Path to Wealth was the one that I love and typically recommend. And now this is going to be the other one because I feel like this is even more readable Mm -hmm. than Simple Path to Wealth, though both of them are great. Yeah, perfect. So thank you for listening out there. We want to thank you for your kind reviews. They are kind of the lifeblood of the show. They help people find it and decide if it is uh, worth their time. Um, and that in turn can really help, you know, change people's lives if they take something away from the show and, and implement it. So thank you. Uh, like this one from Rebecca, it's just titled Love. And uh, it happens to be five stars. She says, as an Aussie, I feel that a lot of American money podcasts are hard to relate to, but I enjoy every single second of Frugal Friends. I find myself listening to the same episode many times over because there are so many good points. Since I started listening to this podcast, my financial situation has completely changed. You have both inspired me to make smarter choices with my money and given excellent tips. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm. (laughs) Thank you, Rebecca. That's our goal. That's amazing. I'm really glad to hear that it's helpful for people even in other countries and Mm -hmm. able to make the tips relatable or even inspire some creativity, even if all the things aren't exactly translatable. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, just opening up some mindset even to what else is out there and how can I create something similar? So, so, so glad. Thanks for your review, Becca. We also want to thank our friends who share these episodes on social media. So when you share the latest episode and tag us on Facebook or Instagram, we're adding you to our monthly drawing. For every five tags and reviews we get each month, we give away a copy of the Frugal Friends Workbook. Woo woo! So keep leaving us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. Send the screenshot to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com before you submit it. And don't forget to tag us on social. Mm. At Frugal Friends Podcast. See you next week. Mm-mm-mm. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. So, tell me about the meat. true confessions. I.
realized recently, well, I've realized it a lot, but I think I gave it a full thought a couple weeks ago. I do not understand the different cuts of meat or what to do with them. And I've been wanting to ask meats you this. in general just, or just, particular meats? Meats. I guess maybe I'm primarily talking about red meat. Okay. Maybe just all meats. I mean, I understand the difference between like pork, poultry, and beef. (laughs) I get that. Okay. Uh, Different animals. But all the different types of packages of meats. Like, What do you do with it? And then I was thinking about this. And then my sister just mentioned it to me recently. She's like, I don't know what all the different meats mean. This could (laughs) just be like a family problem. It could just be that her and I growing up, I don't know, we just didn't understand it. But I realized, holy smokes, I think I'm embarrassed that I don't know what all of these mean. So I just stick to what I know. I avoid conversation about meat. Thankfully, it doesn't come up all that often. (laughs) Are you talking with? Are you going to talk about meat cuts? Yeah. I think I also avoid, I don't know, recipes. I, I just feel like there's this whole world out there. I just don't understand it. I've learned to live life without it. But then I realize I think I need to express this lack of knowledge, get your insight and input. Maybe I'm the only one out there, but hopefully it creates less shame for others who have things that they don't understand. I don't know, Jen, but I don't know what the different meats mean. The meaning of meat. I have only eaten meat for a total of two years of my adult life. And you feel like you you have a full grasp of it? No, oh. no, no. <laughs> I'm saying like, I'm not the person you should ask. Like I went into a meat market. That's probably my first problem. I've never, I haven't been to a meat You've market never been since to I was a, a meat child. Market. And just, my mom took me once. It looks so gourmet, but then I'm like, I have no idea what to do with that thing. And then they've got all these different titles to it. Also, I know that I like steak. And then I go to purchase steak and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know either. Ribeye, T-bone. I mean, I do know what a filet is. I do know that I like that. But then but then you've got all this chuck roast and no clue. this and that. And I'm just throwing out names. I'm just like, well, what would you, what would you do with that versus this other thing? I'm sure I'm going to get an onslaught of emails from now until eternity, which I do welcome if you've got an infographic on how to use meat and what they mean. Yeah, I have no clue. I've literally only been eating and cooking with meat for two years. But you know what? My lack of knowledge has not kept me from eating meat, but my lack of knowledge about the stock market has kept me out of the stock market. So, you know, go and explain that one. Mm. Well, meat is tastier than giving away money. (laughs) You, You know? uh, instant gratification. But, you know, when you talk about my money-making babies, then I'm kind of in. I imagine a picture of me with just lots of money. Um, (laughs) And mostly, I mean, all dollar bills because it's not that much. But And then it's a family portrait. I love this idea. You've got to put it on a T-shirt. and money. (laughs) None of our actual family. I could see a few problems with that, but let's do it anyway. Yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.